this is Subjective Comedy Podcast with Corey Miller and Brad Scott because what do two guys with a failed podcast need? Another podcast no one will listen to. Maybe if my dad put this much time into his act, Bob and Tom would have had him on. Anyways, here's Subjective Comedy Podcast. Welcome to the Subjective Comedy Podcast. That's not right. Nah, come on. We're not going to go that way, are we? No. Yeah. (laughs) This is a happy podcast. It's a comedy podcast. Boys to men. All right. So... Interesting weekend. This past weekend, we had Indie Pop Con. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of fun. You want to introduce us first? Oh, we're Brad. I'm Brad Scott. I'm a stand-up comedian in Indianapolis. Across from me is an internet, or uh, sorry, an uh, insurance office guy. Yep. Corey Miller. Hello. He works in an office selling insurance. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have a podcast. Is about... The goings ons in comedy, from my perspective, and then sports and life in general. So we will start this weekend. We had an interesting weekend. We had PopCon yep. all weekend, uh, and on top of PopCon, I smartly booked a show at uh, the comedy club here in Indianapolis, Crackers Comedy Club. Uh, when I booked at my home comedy club in Indianapolis, so it meant uh, that my weekend was pretty much nonstop. From 6 a.m. Friday till 5 a.m. Sunday morning, I had about three hours of sleep uh, between everything we were doing and shows at night uh, and all that. And unfortunately, the weekend kind of closed poorly on all fronts. Our live show Sunday was good, but due to a mental error on my part from exhaustion i had forgotten a key component for our live show so it wasn't as good as it should have been and on top of that a lot of that exhaustion had come from the weekend it ended up being my final weekend at crackers comedy club now stop me if you've heard this before (laughs) stop me yeah and there's a big difference the first time that uh i decided to stop working there was my decision And it was just due to a fact of, you know, they had gotten behind on booking me. And I had set a certain period of time, you know, before that, that if I had, you know, not been booked in this amount of time, I was going to move on and work other places because I need to protect my local fan base. Because your local fan base is one of the most important. And if you're only performing once every six, seven months, that's not good. It's not good to strengthen it. You need to be able to be there once every few months uh, so that, you know, people can can remember that you're still doing this. It's harder to it's it, the longer you're away from your local f- fan base, the harder it is. It's weird. If I'm at, if I'm in Arkansas once a year or if I'm in Oklahoma City once a year, it's fine. 
the people like there's a handful of people that will still come out and see me that once a year they look forward to it um, but I also usually have months and months of notice when you're home a lot of times shows can be on short notice so you need as many going as possible so that people have as many chances to see you you know with because with, you meet more people while you're home than you do on the road anyways as far as people you will continuously see right so that was what it was about it was a booking issue the first time this time's a little different uh, this time, I unfortunately, I'm not going to get into too many, too many details because I am not going to, I am not going to bash anyone on this show. That's not what this show is about. It's about being honest. And if I am being honest, unfortunately, the owner of my home club, I think is going through a lot personally. And I think it is causing her to kind of lash out at certain people and push people away because i am not the first person now that has been fired or let go that's the other thing this was not my decision to leave i was completely happy with dealing with what you know i'd kind of dealt with over the course of the weekend which involved you know a little bit of you know being kind of berated in front of audience members being asked to do things that at the position i am I've gotten to in comedy I shouldn't be asked to do, especially not at a place that's considered my home comedy club. Uh, and it was just a kind of an overall bad weekend, and it's been one of now a string that has led you know a lot of other people to leave the club as well, which is unfortunate because it is a great club. Like I said, I think the owner maybe has some stuff going on personally that is kind of affecting relationships, and that's never a good thing. You can't ever bring personal stuff into your business. You know, and it has caused a, a split. So I am now officially free agent. I have no home club. And uh, the worst possible time, because there's literally not even another club, which we all are aware if you're a fan of this show, I am not welcome in anyways. Uh, but now there's nowhere for me to technically go to perform, which means I will probably put together some one night only special shows at bars, VFWs, wherever I can find, uh, you know, near central Indiana and, and, and Indianapolis. Like, th this does not end my comedy in Indianapolis. You know, I've got a good enough local following that I can feel comfortable booking shows and promising certain numbers. So we'll have something going somewhere. We'll let you know on this show. And we'll keep you updated. But yeah. Uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, just a bad weekend. And sometimes... You you can butt heads with your boss for so for so long before something's got to give for one of you and it gave for her. She didn't see you know the value that uh, I thought I had and I thought I had brought. I mean I had a really good weekend as far as uh, draw. I got a, a, th a big thank you to everyone that came out because I, I will say this: the people that support me in this city really showed up for me this past weekend. Except for me. Except for you and Vic, the two people who were probably uh, closer to me the most uh, in this city. But over 50. That's from good. From Thursday, Friday, Saturday, over 50 over the weekend. Mm -hmm. I did the final math, and it's over 50. Uh, low 50s. That's pretty good. Yeah. And that's because I also only had about two months, really, of promotion for this. I usually like to go three months. That's like, I have shows I'm promoting now in Oklahoma City that aren't until September. And it's to give those people enough time and everything. But for, you know, for a one-month heavy promotion and just, you know, announcing it two months prior... Uh, over 50 people came out to support me uh, this past weekend, and I can't thank you enough. Uh, a lot of people bought I Support Harper shirts. You can actually get those on eBay now. If you search Brad Scott Comedy, I have a, a little eBay store set up, and you just go to the individual size you'd like to order and place your order there, and I believe uh, yeah, shipping is free. Uh, so 
check that out. But unfortunately, the weekend ends with me no longer working at Crackers. I don't even believe I am welcome back to the open mic, unfortunately, which sucks because, you know, I, I've enjoyed helping young the young comics in the city, like the people starting out, like just being there to offer them any type of advice I can give them from someone who knows just more than they do. Mm-hmm. You know, I can at least give them the advice for the level that I'm at. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, I was, I'll still help out guys and I'm still going to try to take some of these guys on the road with me, which brings us to another segment, which is our Indianapolis comic spotlight. Mm-hmm. So last week, uh, if I'm not mistaken, we told you about uh, the following comedians from Indianapolis we told you about Joe Bates. We told you about Austin Fry. We told you about David Brooks, Brian Kristoff, and Patrick Murray. Am I correct? Yes. Excellent. So this week, we're going to talk about these five comedians. We are going to talk about uh, Lucas Waterfill. We'll start with him. Okay. Holy cow. This guy is going to be a superstar. Superstar. Okay. He is a quadriplegic, and he is, you know... In a wheelchair and everything else, and he has maybe the, the, the sharpest mind of anyone in the scene. This dude is a writing machine. I w- they ha- he featured at Crackers sometime last year. He was at the Broderpa location. And I had told you know people at the club for a while, like, hey, you guys need to feature him, and you need to put him on Fox 59 and Indie Style and every visual medium you have to get people to come out because you'll build a fan base for him. Because here's the thing. And this is what I've said about Lucas, and I've told Lucas this, and it is 100% true. He's fucking hilarious, and he is a sight to see because of how funny he is. And when you see him in that condition, he takes your mind away from that condition immediately through his act. All right. You're not even thinking about that as he's going through the material. Mm-hmm. It becomes like, it beca- it's, it's weird, it almost becomes even less visually noticeable to you because of how good the material is. And... If let's say somebody comes out to a club on a weekend and sees me or Brent Terhune, who's a friend of this show, uh, they'll go maybe on to work Monday. They're not going to bring us up or the show up unless somebody's like, hey, what did you do this weekend? Then it's like, oh, I went to uh, Crackers. Who'd you see? This guy with red hair and a red beard. He talked about turkeys. He's pretty funny. (laughs) Or this really sad-looking single father who's just exploited his child for 15 or 30 minutes. You know what I mean? Like, right. they'll, they'll bring, like they may not even remember our names or anything else, but, like, oh, they were really funny, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Lucas is someone that they go watch, and Monday at work, they're telling people at work about, oh, my God, you have to go see this dude at Crackers. He's in a wheelchair, but he's fucking hilarious. You know what I mean? Right. Like, Lucas is an event. He is a attraction. And that is what in this business is how you advance and how you make money is becoming something that people pay to see. Right, okay, and that's yeah. why I always said if they would put him on Fox 59 or put him on indie style, some sort of visual medium to where people can see him in that chair and then listen to him be as funny as he is, he will draw. Mm-hmm. And so Lucas is very funny. You should go check him out. He's on social media. Look him up. Lucas Waterfill. Um, moving on. And also part of, uh, by the way, I'm going to mention, I think most of these comics I'm going to tell you about are also hopefully going to be helping me with the bottoms up shows that, you know, I'm going to be booking, uh, the bottoms up comedy series that we're going to be booking, hopefully starting in the fall. Bottoms up draft beer, warp speed. That's right. Yes. When no one's on the Skype line though. Nope. Um, I didn't say they are kind enough to be the title sponsor for this tour. 
And we're hoping to launch shows for the fall. You don't want to ever start in the summer. Oh, really? Summer's bad for comedy, man. We can't compete with outdoors. That's true. And especially I'm going to start booking the Indiana market first before I move out to like a whole lot of, unless I get, you know, a tip from someone, I'm not going to cold call outside of Indiana at first. I want to build up the, uh, you know, I want to build up the uh, the testimonials and all that good stuff. Right, I got you. So Indiana, like basically we look at it like, oh, we got four months a year where you can really go outside. Mm-hmm. So in those four months, it's very tough to compete, which is why summer shows are a lot harder for comedy. Yeah. Unless you're in a place like Florida or where they have beautiful California, where they have beautiful weather all the time. Yeah. And it doesn't really matter. Yeah. They're very, very difficult. So next comic I want to talk about is Gwen Sunkel. Gwen started, I believe, I don't know, maybe she started, this is where I knew her from. She would host burlesque shows. I think I, I think I saw her, what, does she open up? She did host for me, yes. Yeah, she she was host. She hosted when uh, I was working with... Was that the one with Simone? No, 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 no. no, no, no. no. I, I can't remember the guy's name now, but he, I think he did, he was on a TV show at one time. I can't remember his name. Yeah, I don't remember either, but I do, it was a downtown show. Yeah. But Gwen Zungle's very funny. She didn't like me at first. No. Most people don't. But I don't like you. We've warmed up. She's gotten to know me. She knows that, like, you know, I'm, I'm a better person than I sometimes portray myself to be as a character of myself, as a defense mechanism to just laugh at everything. Um, and we've become pretty good friends. And she's very funny. And I've always said she was, like, She's one of the people that, like, I can't believe the first time I saw her, like, I think I saw her, like, an open mic cracker. I was like, holy shit, she should be, host- she should be hosting right now. Like, she has, she has basically, what, to be a good, great host, it's tough, but what you need is, like, confidence. Overblown confidence to where nothing can rattle you, even if maybe it should. Yeah. Which is why I was always pretty decent at hosting, because it's just, it's, at, at a certain point, it was, it got hard to rattle me on stage, because it was just, like, I didn't care enough, and I didn't think enough of myself to get rattled. But she has this confidence that just comes through, and she can dominate the room with her voice, and that is very important when you're guiding a show. And her material is really funny. Um, it's very, uh, very smart, elegy, and I like that. It's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of, you know, right turns, left turns, the mm-hmm. the, the unexpected. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want to butcher you because I also haven't seen her set in a while. But as far as like marketing and putting herself out there, she's doing all types of festivals. She's constantly out there hustling and working and on social media. She's very, very funny, and she's one of those people that once she gets better opportunities, she'll be moving along fast. Okay. That's going to be, honestly, some of these people we're going to talk about, it's going to be experience that's kind of holding them back from the next spot. So it's like it's going to be something that's in time. Mm-hmm. And the others are going to be the seven guys like Lucas Waterfield just hasn't gotten the right opportunity yet. Right. America's Got Talent would be a great place for him. Yeah. I tell him that every time. I think he's sick of hearing it. But he, he really would. He would destroy that place. Yeah. Are you kidding me? The sight of them when he when he pushes that fucking wheelchair out on the stage and Nick Cannon. Like, that would be even the best part. Is Nick, he should have Nick Cannon start to push him. And then he what, should yell wait, at Nick. Wait, hold, hold on. Nick isn't on the show anymore. Well, whoever. Whatever. Whatever. Tommy Davidson. It's whoever t- they fill in. It's Tyra Banks. Whatever. Okay. Then Tyra pushes him out. And halfway through, he just goes, Tyra. I'm going to do it. And he just wheels it like electronically out the rest of the way <laughs> and goes into his act. He'd be a dynamite. He'd be a top three finisher, no doubt. And look what that did for Drew Lynch. Mm-hmm. That made him a star. Yeah. And he took that. And then, okay, I should say that. That gave him the opportunity to be a star. Right. And now that dude is a star. Yeah. I mean, that dude, it, he's actually about it the right way. Like, he may not have a show on FX or Comedy Central, 
but he's got one of the most popular YouTube channels. And as we talked about on the showdown, YouTube is the new way to go. Mm-hmm. Like that's where you go to to, to build a, a following like that. Yeah. And that dog vlog is popular. I mean, my daughter has seen every episode mm-hmm. and subscribes to it and watches, you know, every new one that comes out. Yeah. That's over a million people. And I'm, that that could be Lucas. I'm surprised that uh that he never got asked to do popcorn. Uh, you know, with them asking YouTube people personalities. Who's your lunch? Yeah. Yeah, it may I know be one of those things. Really I don't know. He may not. They, it could. Con- I don't know. His content maybe just doesn't fit, even though he's got the, even though he's got the I followers. Think it fit. I mean, he's he's clean. That's no, no, no. I mean, like they're m- the ones that they they invite are all like video game people oh, or yeah. you know. Yeah, hopefully Ginger Jesus will get an invite one day. Yeah, we'll see. All right, so moving on from Gwen. Gwen's very funny. Check her out, Gwender Woman. I know that's her Twitter, or uh, at least her Instagram uh, tag, Gwender Woman. Um, She's very, she's very, uh, she's very involved as well with like uh, I believe a lot of the LGBT uh, shows, and I know there's more letters, but I will screw it up, and so I don't want to try. But uh, yeah, very, 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 very big in that community is a very big part of it, very supportive of that community, which is uh, could be a big thing because I think you're, you're if you're a comedian, you're going to be looking at a lot of uh, outside venues for shows coming up. I mean, with only one club left in the city. And, you know, very stingent booking as far as local, locally. There's only going to be a handful of spots locally for that club. Yep. You're going to be looking at, you know, everybody's going to be a looking long at line. Everybody. Everybody's going to be looking at other venues. So, sure. I mean, comedy will hopefully continue to grow outside of the clubs. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, Jeff Oski actually tweeted at us about this mm-hmm. and about because he had wondered where we got the idea from that they said comedy was dead in Indianapolis. So I yeah. directed him to the article about it and he brought up a good point that yeah it might be dead in the clubs but it it is thriving other places now i can't say that i haven't been to an independent show in a while i do believe that like my friends brent uh to hume matt holt jeff oske and uh he's not really a friend but i know him uh stuart huff uh that name's familiar yeah he's he's a he's a very popular comic in indianapolis he's not from here but he's very popular here uh very probably through the midwest period to be honest uh he's kind of known as like the uh the underground comic like he does the independent shows, yeah, well. um, and he still does clubs too. Uh, very respected though. His name is Stuart Huff. Very very funny. Uh, but those guys did a show at the White Rabbit last night. The White Rabbit might become the new comedy spot. Mm. Hell, if I could get enough people to get behind it, I'd like to talk to them about possibly doing a show there. Mm. I mean, that would be the perfect place for me to bring, you know, my my dumbass silliness. And yeah. Hopefully, I mean, hopefully, like with, with this past weekend show, me is if I give enough notice and enough promotion that i can get a decent amount of people out to a show they're already doing shows there so maybe uh you can get your foot maybe in the door. i don't know though i mean i've i kind of i kind of alienated a lot of indianapolis uh people in the comedy scene so that's what i like to do <laughs> <laughs> not think of consequences just act sometimes you know right um so I think I made good with most people because I think most people I I did think I I think I I think I said the right thing I just said it in the wrong way. It was one of those situations. Yeah. Probably should have said it differently. Um, but anyways, who's number three? All right, number three for this week we're gonna go with Peter Hines. Okay, Peter Hines is uh, a lot like Patrick Murray. We were talking about just being a big presence. He's a big guy. He's a tall guy. Okay. So he has this commanding presence when he's on stage. And that dude's really, really funny. And he's really, really naturally gifted as a performer. The only thing is he's just, 
he once he's able because he does a lot. He has a forty plus I think hour a week job where he's working actually I think sixty hours a week at a brewery. Um, so his time for comedy he can't invest as much as he'd like to. But every time I see him, he's trying different material, and all of his materials like it's it, to me it's like it starts as like at a really great premise and it's really funny, and some of them just they need more work. That's all, you know. Like that's the only thing he needs is he just needs to work on his material. To, to strengthen what he has and to build it into an act, and he'll be fine. Right. He's got everything else. And he's, he's just incredibly likable. He's another guy who's like the big, the big Muppet guy. Just, you know, just, I, think, I think all big comics to me, any tall or big comic just looks like that guy from the Muppets to me. You know the guy that like what they sell the car to or whatever. Yeah, the the big the big hairy one. Yeah, yeah. And it's not necessarily the hair; it's just the bigness and the kind of. He's like a happy guy, you know. He just seems like a, he's like a big guy, but he seems like a big teddy bear, a nice. Kind of like Brian Posehn. Yes, very good. Except for Brian Posehn's ugly, and like by any measure. Peter Hines, a good looking guy. Okay, but he's got a he's got kind of a college boy look to him, and he has that kind of feel to him. Like that dude would be perfect hosting a show about beer. You know what I mean? Right. Just a a beer show. He would be ideal for that. Or like and he's got the personality for TV. Maybe on the Bottoms Up tour? Oh, definitely. Again, most of these people, I mean, if I'm offering gigs, most people are going to say yes if they're <laughs> available. Um, but that's the other thing. You have to join the roster. Yeah. So they can promote you <laughs> and use your likeness and your achievements to further validate my company. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so Peter Hines is basically, he's once he's able to get to a point where he can, and he, and he chooses to invest you know, the the amount of time that's kind of needed when you're starting out. Mm-hmm. He's going to be another guy who's just like, that's the thing, man. This scene has so many promising people. It's just, it's a hard scene right now to get, I think, stage time. So everybody's kind of finding other things to do. Like, he's got a craft beer thing he does. And I believe he does a lot of those kind of, uh, uh, those, what are they called? Like, the, the, the brewery shows. Those are becoming popular as well. I was going to ask you, um, now, you don't have to say it if you don't want to. Do you happen to know what brewery he works for? I don't, off the top of my head, and so I do. Because I know there's one that we we've kind of know about that's, that's kind of local um, that I didn't know if maybe that was it or not. I don't, and now, now that I'm put on the spot, now I can't even think of it. So move on. Okay. <laughs> Excellent work by you. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, yeah, so be done. Okay, so let's move on. So we've got to talk. We've talked about Lucas. We've talked about Gwen. We've talked about Peter. Let's talk about. Let's talk about Ryan McManus. Um. Ryan is super funny. Uh, he is. He reminds me kind of like uh, 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 a lot of uh a lot of how I was when I started out, super funny, just didn't, you know, just didn't have anybody to help him get to a next level mm-hmm. yet. And maybe he does. I just have a scene. But he did. He did just do a, a show. I believe he's either headlining or featuring because he should be at least featuring at clubs. I've seen him around enough and I've seen him do enough material. That dude should be at least featuring. And he's really, really funny. I just think it's one of those things. It's just he doesn't know how to, to like. That's the problem with most guys when you're starting out. I had the same issue. Until I got lucky and a couple of guys were nice enough to show me. Like, you just don't know how to move up. You really don't. Yeah. Like, and you don't know how to go. Because no, there's no class to take on this. You could read all types of books. But every market's a little different, you know? And it's more about just who you know at the end of the day. Yeah. Because that's who takes you on the road. Mm-hmm. And that's all I think Ryan needs. He's super funny. He's a great. He does a lot of very true stories. 
Uh, talked about, uh, uh, he has, I believe, a couple nieces he's talked about on stage. Uh, he's just funny. I've never seen that dude not be funny in a set. Like, right. Even if I've, even if the crowd's not laughing for whatever reason, it's a shitty crowd or just a bad night, I've never seen the dude not be funny. Right. And so he's the type of guy, he just needs somebody to, to give him a step up, which is, again, like I said just a few minutes ago, it's going to be a lot of the same theme. Yeah. Like, a lot of these people just need somebody. And maybe if you're a comic who's want, you stumbled across this podcast or whatever, and you're looking for openers, keep these guys in mind. Like, these are people who just need opportunities to get out there. I wish I could do it. I've done what I can so far, and I'm hoping to do more, you know, the further along I get with the places I'm working. But unfortunately, I'm not in a position where I'm able to take features with me a lot. Right. I mean, I've, ha- I've been able to once so far, and the rest of the time I've always been put with someone to feature. Mm-hmm. But the more that hopefully I grow, the more I want to, because I would honestly, every single person we're going to talk about on this list, I would easily take with me. And that's if some of them don't pass me up by the time I get a chance to take someone. <laughs> right. Because all of them easily could. So Ryan McManus, he's just, the only thing is he just, he's like, again, and this is why I think he reminds me of me. He posted something on social media. He kind of slammed crackers. And I didn't blame him. And I don't think he was doing it for the reason other people were doing it. I think he was just frustrated. And he just kind of said that they were a place that was treating comics cold and everything else. And I know where that's coming from and what that's about, but that wasn't made specifically known. And I had tried to help him get into Crackers. Like, I had been talking to Crackers about him because he came in for about a month or so, pretty much every Tuesday. Yeah. And I kept telling him, you know, Chris, the manager, and and this is the process. And it takes some time. You know, it can take, t- at times, six months, a year, for them to finally give someone a chance that I've been talking to them about. Right. But that's phase one. Is that person's there, me going, hey, you guys should go watch this guy. Yeah. And I know Chris, at least, I think had seen his set a few times. And so I think they, I think he just got a little impatient. But I felt bad because, like, I kind of commented back at him, like, hey, I've tried to help you, and I know so-and-so's, you know, giving you spots on the open mic, blah, blah, blah. So, like, I saw everybody else kind of raining down. And you know me, I don't like to be on the side of the mob. Right. Like whenever I see the mob, if I'm on that side, it makes me kind of step back and go, okay. Because I don't think, you know, because that's a, it's a, so I deleted my comment because I, I saw people just attacking him and I just, I didn't want to be a part of that. Yeah. Because I didn't think he deserved that. I thought it was a frustrated moment where he just made one Facebook post. You know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't want to see, I didn't want to be a part of a sea of 50 comments just going, you're a fucking idiot. Because that's what it was. It was, and it was surprising to me because I'd just seen, so many people slamming crackers unanimously for like four days. It was shocking for me to see someone, you know, to see people coming back and defending and being like, you're jumping on the bandwagon. Were they the That's same people? Move, blah, blah, blah. Some of them, I think, were the same people. But I did, that's why I said I didn't want to be a part of that because I didn't think that's what it was. I didn't think he was jumping on that bandwagon. I think maybe he had been frustrated. Maybe something had happened with him and an employee or something that, you know, rubbed him the wrong way. And he felt like maybe that was the most comfortable time to, to voice that. And I get it. We all know at the end of the day, we shouldn't put any of that shit on social media or do it on a podcast for 30 people. But sometimes <laughs> therapeutically, it can be good for you to get something out. Yeah. You know what I mean? You just have to always weigh the, the reactions, you know, and kind of the consequences of releasing it. And if you're ready to deal with it, if you are good for you, do what you want to do. You know what I mean? I'm never going to tell anybody not to try to, to to voice their, you know, opinion or whatever, even if it means burning a bridge. Who am I to say that? Right. 
I have burned several. Mm-hmm. In fact, after I was kicked off that bridge this past weekend, I pretty much set fire to it afterwards. <laughs> Again. I kind of think I needed to. I think I needed to get away. I think I did. I think I needed a fresh start. Yeah. Sometimes I think you do. And I think I just ran my course there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, everybody gets to a point that you can deal with what you can deal with. I deal with a lot other places. I deal with probably more at some other places. But when you only have to be somewhere once a week for like, or, you know, or uh, sorry, one, one weekend a year, maybe two, I can deal with that. Right. I can't. I, I got to a point where there were things that I think I couldn't and the club couldn't deal with here on a consistent basis. And that's unfortunate because I thought I had done uh, a lot. But, you know, that's it's it's my value is based on what I think. It's what they think. Yeah. At the end of the day, they're the ones that I'm looking to pay me. So. So who's number five? Number five for this week to wrap up uh, the Indie Comics Spotlight. Let's go with... Trent Mabry. Okay. I like Trent. I've always liked Trent. Uh, If I'm not mistaken, and I'll feel like shit if I'm wrong, I believe he was like from Whiteland or something. He's still super young. I think he's still like, you know, 14. Nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, that's a horrible joke. It's a hacky joke. He's like, he's like in his early 20s still. Man, a few years ago. He's a big wrestling fan. He was at PopCon, I believe. Like he's, he, dude, he goes to pretty much everything we go to at shows. And occasionally I'll run into him at those places. Like, I've seen him at wrestling a few times. And he is super funny. Uh, I couldn't believe Crackers hadn't worked him earlier either, to be honest. He was somebody that, like, almost out the gate, they should have started booking. Because I think now he is pretty much, uh, he might be a Morty's comic, or he might be working for Jokers or somebody, but he's uh, he's one of those, like, in five, six years, he's going to be the guy that's out on the road and hopefully, you know, kind of helping out people around here. Mm-hmm. Like, he'll take over one of those reins. He's that he's that next group okay. of comics that'll be working the road, like, and and providing hopefully better assistance than I have. <laughs> Like we real, I, I will say the one thing I have done for this community is really made it Miss Holt. <laughs> that is one positive I've done. But Trent's just super new. He's done a ton of like, uh, like he's the guy that I've noticed a lot of the independent bookers go to for like big events, which is like a, it's a good sign. It's a cool sign. That's like a first step. Yeah. Like when people in your local market have a big show and they want someone good to go up, you know, early, and you're the guy. It's a really good sign. I got asked to do a lot of that kind of stuff. Like, I would do, like, these Madam Walker shows. I would do these shows for, you know, uh, like, Robert Day and uh, uh, Reno Hype and all these other guys who, these na- names mean nothing. They were just guys that booked a lot of uh, bigger shows when I was kind of starting out. And I was always one of the guys that would get called to go, you know, be one of the opening acts or whatever for some random name. And it's a, it's a, it's a good feeling. And it helps, like, that confidence, because a lot of comedy is confidence. Like, confidence, when you're working consistently, when you have, like, three, four weeks. Dude, I wrote probably six, seven minutes of stuff over the course of the past couple of months because every weekend I had full slate of shows, right? Right. So I was constantly thinking comedy, and I was, like, I was doing well at every show, so I was building confidence, so then I'd go back and write more, and I'd work on more. And then that would like I'd have more confidence, so the newer stuff was hitting harder earlier because I had confidence behind it. It makes a big deal now. Uh, uh, besides this past weekend, which I don't even think I'm gonna count because I couldn't even really try any new material. Um, you know, I have like another two or three weeks off 
um, before I have a couple of shows, like it'll be tough to maintain that confidence, especially now that I don't have a place, you know, during the week that I can go and test it out. Do it over, yeah, do it over. I can get on stage and test it out. Yeah. So it'll be tougher to maintain that confidence up and keep the writing up and keep working on the newer stuff. Right. Like at the last open mic I did at Crackers, I tried two new jokes that just didn't come out right. Like the actual me trying it, I guess, was funny because I made it funny because I was reading from my phone and I had told him like this is the first time I wrote these earlier, blah blah blah. And sometimes when you do that as a setup, you no, no, can. No. Ma- you and no, I know, and that's why I do it. That's kind of become my formula: reading it from the phone and explaining that it's the first time to give myself that buffer. Yeah. Um. And then you know, and then figuring out if there's a little something there from reading it, then piecing that together. Right. Like, okay, so I had this incident. This is a true story. This happened Saturday, and I did. I ended up having to close on this late Saturday when I didn't want to. Uh, I unfortunately was given a light early. So after the first show Saturday, someone I had gone to high school with uh, came out to the show, right? And I'd known her all through high school. We were pretty good friends. But I hadn't seen her in a while, and I didn't really talk to her on social media. And, like, I do my normal set, and I do my joke about the white men can't jump stuff. Yeah. And that joke at the start is, you know, that the the black player from Kentucky, because it's, it's, the whole joke is about, like, when people, when white people get offended for other races, how that's, like, kind of insulting and embarrassing. Yeah. And so the joke is that there was, a, at a press conference, true story, it was Frank Kaminsky, I believe, who was a white player from Wisconsin who got called the N-word by a black player from Kentucky at a press conference. The yep. black player Kentucky, during the press conference, under his breath said that N-word can ball, yep. talking about Frank. And then white people afterwards were like, that kid's racist, you know? I'm like, what? Like, that doesn't make any sense. That's the whole joke, right? Yeah. And it leads into other stuff. So then she asked, like, her husband asked if I want to smoke some weed after the show. It was a rough show. Usually I don't. Then I was like, okay, why not? So first, like, we're all I, was, I thought you were going to say, well, you are the king of bong style, so of course, yes. No, well, yeah, but I don't like doing the after the show thing, especially when I have another show, mm. especially in Indianapolis where you could technically get into some sort of trouble for weed. So Well, we didn't say where it was, did we? Um, it was Indianapolis. Yeah, well, you did. That's why somebody from my high school came out. Anyways, so we're walking... And I'm thinking, like, we're walking around a corner or maybe we're walking to a car or something. And I'm just like, you know, I even, like, set it up where I'm like, I can only take a couple tokes. And I got to get back. So we get in the car. I'm like, okay, I guess we're just going to sit in the car and smoke. And I take a couple hits. The next thing I know, we're moving. And we're just driving around smoking. Yeah. So as we're driving, all of a sudden, my, my friend from high school just, like, turned around. She's like, oh, my God. She's like, I love that joke where you say that... uh White people can call black people, and she says the hard R N-word. Yeah. And, like, I'm like, whoa, like, who's joke? And she's like, no, you know, we're like, you talk about And she keeps saying it. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, she's like, Cause yeah, like, white people should be able to call black people that. Blah, blah, blah. Like, she keeps saying, I'm like, I don't think you understood my joke, or maybe you're confusing me with someone else. And uh, she's like, no, what? And then she's like, what? Like, like, and like, her husband kind of like says, I, I don't know if he kind of gives her a look or says something to her, but she's just like, well, like, bro, you don't think I'm racist, right? And I'm like, well, I'd like to think since like I knew you in high school, no, but these last few minutes have not given me a strong case. <laughs> and so then like we're driving, and um, all of a sudden she's like, 
Yeah, like I mean, like I went to, like I played basketball, like you know, like with like, black girls in high school, like you know, like they go, it was like bullshit. They go run faster and jump higher and blah blah blah. I'm like, yeah, I had to deal with slavery and oppression and police brutality, and all of a sudden the husband, like, uh, turns around Did and she? he just quickly goes, yeah, like you were ever a slave, and I'm like, oh shit, now I remember why I stopped like following her on social media. It's because she was way too Trump. You know, like, like, like it's not like one people that just supported Trump, but just was like, maybe it's too supported Trump. Yeah. And that was like, why? I was like, yeah, because she posts racist shit. And then, like, I swear to God, dude, I did not think I was leaving that car. I thought the only way I was going to get out was if Bernie Sanders flew through the window <laughs> and, like, you know, took me to Portland. Yeah. By the way, that's how I, I was telling uh, Nikki from Smiley Show, Josh Springer's girlfriend, about that story. Are people supposed and, to know that? Huh? I didn't think. Pe- oh, never mind. I Go can't hear you. What? I said I didn't think people were supposed to know that. Supposed to know what? That they were dating. They posted all over social media. All right then. Um, do you th- why do you keep thinking that I would just say things that I wasn't allowed to say? You've done this like three times tonight. I don't know. You done it with Vic too? Did I? Yeah. yeah. I did. Um. So, anyways. I was telling her the story in between the shows Saturday, like right after it happened. Like I literally walked back in the showroom and I was like in shock that I even got out of the car. Um, and I told her the story and I added that Bernie Sanders thing just right at the end. Is like I was like, oh shit, I can talk about that on stage. That's the joke. And then when I got on stage, I completely forgot about that part. <laughs> so I was just like, yeah, like then the we just. Well, I do remember this because I go, uh, I was like, yeah, you can just drop me off up front. And he goes, no, we can't do that. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> Why not? And he was just like, oh, because there's too much smoke in the car, man. We don't want to just roll out of that. We'll pull around to the side of the parking lot. <laughs> okay. And oh, let okay. me out. All so right. it was a normal ending. But, you know, like the Bernie Sanders flying through the car thing was funnier. Yeah. And I completely forgot it. Yeah. But anyway, so, yes, that was it for the week, right? Who so was number five again? Trent Mabry. Okay. Trent Mabry. Ryan McManus, Peter Hines, Gwen Sunkel and Lucas Waterfill. All right. Check out those names on social media. Give them a follow. Give them your support. Give them your love. They're really funny. And most of them you could probably go see at Crackers at one point because they haven't gotten fired yet. So good for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do wish, look at that. And I do wish all of my friends that still work there. I like, I don't want anyone to ever like feel they have to stand by me or eh, no, make your money. Like this was my thing. Yeah. This was my battle. This was my beef. I want everybody to keep making money as long as they can. And at the end of the day, it's a good club. I had just kind of, you know, like I said, me and management had gotten to uh, the end of our relationship. Yeah. That's unfortunate, but I'm not dead. Mm -hmm. Just a free agent. That's right. So moving on quickly. Let's talk about NBA Finals. (sighs) What is there to talk about? We were totally wrong. 4-0. Yeah, we were totally wrong. Yep, uh, this is this is going to... But now, honestly, comes the interesting part of the NBA season the past few years. Yeah. The summer. Yeah. Starting July 1st, where's LeBron going to go? Yeah, exactly. I think the last couple of years, the offseason has been just as good as, yep. the, as the playoffs. And uh, I'm excited to see where LeBron ends up. There's rumors it could be Miami. I don't see how that's possible. No. Contract-wise, but we'll see. Uh, they have a the guy the Heat have a guy though, and you got to remember like is people keep thinking they keep going well no team has salary cap well teams are about to have expiring contracts drop 
Right. Those are teams that could take in bad contracts, especially if it's a team looking to rebuild. If you're a team that's looking to like rebuild and you want to be bad for a few years, but you want to have like a, a highlight star on your team, get you Hassan Whiteside. I'm just trying to get rid of Hassan Whiteside. <laughs> Maybe this podcast will help get him off the team. Uh, and take uh, Tyler Johnson while you're at it and his <laughs> $20 million that's owed over the next three years. Oh, God, my team is in bad shape. I keep seeing Miami, or not Miami, but Houston and L.A. I don't think it's Houston. I don't think it's L.A. I don't think he stays in. I don't think he goes to the Western Conference. Why would you, why would you give up almost a guaranteed path to the finals to go through Golden State before then? Because here's the thing. Even if, let's say, you, you get on a really good Western Conference team that can get past Golden State, what if you run into this team of destiny in the East that year? You know what I mean? I'd much rather take my chances on getting to the finals and the other team has to get there healthy and I just have to get there myself. What was the series record uh, with Golden State and Houston? How did, how many games did that, that series go? go? Yeah, that series. Four th- it, four, it went to seven games. Went seven games. You don't think with LeBron? I think if LeBron's that? on that Houston team, Golden State is way more engaged and they still don't have enough. Okay. I still don't think they have enough. Like if they would have if Cleveland would have won two games this past year, maybe. But they got swept and granted he had nothing this year. But honestly, Houston, like, here's the thing. James Harden, that's not a player that's gonna work well with LeBron. Unless he's willing to do what Chris Paul did for him, which has become off-the-ball spot-up shooter. And I don't think James Harden is. James Harden is a guy who likes to dribble the clock down and then either throw up a shot or pass it when he doesn't have a shot. That was a loud boom we just heard. That's firework. Oh. That kind of... That shit's going to go on until fucking July 12th. No, I'm sorry. July. It's going to go on until fucking Christmas. Had me a little worried there for a second. I don't even know if the mic's picked up on that. That didn't even sound like a gunshot, though. Mm. It sounded more like a car backfire. Yeah. It's not a gunshot. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> so, okay. So, yeah, the finals were boring. So, man. yeah, I mean. Those we, are boring finals. We were way off. I think uh, I said it was going to go four f- or 2-2 two, two, and then go back to Golden State. And you said Golden State would win one of the two and still go back to Golden State. And uh, completely wrong. It was a sweep. I think I also said though that if they if if Golden State wins, then it's a sweep. Did uh do you believe that LeBron actually had an injured hand or wrist or arm or whatever he was saying? That yeah, because I don't think he thought that bringing out that cast was gonna make it look like well, this is obviously the reason I didn't win. I don't think he thought that. I think he thought, oh, okay, somebody leaked out the injury, so I can actually put a cast on. Yeah, I absolutely do. I don't think he does that as a try to look like, well, see, I was injured. Because it's like, yeah, well, dude, we thought you were, you know, even if you were full health, you weren't winning. Did you see the video of him afterwards as he's leaving the court and he was, like, giving a uh, few kids, like, little high fives or whatever? You mean after he had all the adrenaline from playing an NBA professional basketball game and probably had, t- had, probably had uh, cortisone shot in his arm to make sure he didn't feel pain? Yeah, I don't buy all that. I, th- I think if you high-five some kids, it doesn't mean that you can't still have it. Like, dude, he played the game. Did you see where he played the game <laughs> with the hand? No, actually. Fuck the high-fives the kids. Did you see him dribbling 
Shooting, dunking. Nope. Yeah, I think he. I think his hand was probably messed up. All right. He couldn't have done all that with the cast. Probably wouldn't have been able to play. Yeah. So yeah, I do think he probably had an injured hand. All right. Like, why would he lie about that? Uh, to cover up the fact that they didn't win. I mean, that there's not really covering cover up. up. It's just an excuse. That's but that doesn't. That's not a good. That doesn't make anything. I'm and just, I think he knows that. All right. <laughs> Nobody's looking at that, going, "Oh, well, if he didn't have the hurt hand, they obviously would have won." Well, no. well, it's like when you lose like that, you're like you you try and find an excuse like, oh no, I uh, I had the flu, I didn't really feel good, I tried to play it off. No, no, you do that. LeBron's never done that. He didn't do that against Dallas. He's never done it against the other three times he's lost to Golden State. Why? Why all of a sudden is he doing that now? That's good. Or point. maybe he actually did have a hurt hand. And was covering it up, and the only reason he put the cast thing on it was because someone leaked the information. I buy that. That sounds 100% plausible to me. I don't think it's, like, it's again, it's not, if this was game six or seven, maybe. That kind of looks like a poor thing. But this was swept. Yeah. Like, this was, it makes more sense, to be honest, that he couldn't muster up one of those games the last couple. Yeah. I mean, it makes more sense. Do you think after game three, the, he, uh, the reporter saw him? from after game one and said, be better tomorrow. Remember, if you didn't think we were funny, comedy is subjective.